My name is the Reverend Kimberly Davis, and I invite you to breathe deeply as we hear these words from Gretchen Haley. Let's not go build walls around our hearts. We already have enough that keeps us from one another, enough that keeps us from ourselves and the knowing of all that we have done, all that has been done to us and for us, the losses we sustained, the love we avoided, the life we held too tight. For this hour, we practice showing up with a willingness to see, to be seen, to remember ourselves whole and still becoming better, to believe it is okay to not be okay, that we are loved even when we feel unlovable, that we belong even when the ground comes out from under us, to be for each other a surprising generosity, a sudden sweetness, a sign of hope, the start of a new day. Come, let us worship together. Our reading today is the poem One Love by Hope Johnson. We are one, a diverse group of proudly kindred spirits, here not by coincidence, but because we choose to journey together on our spiritual path of Unitarian Universalism. We are active, proactive. We care deeply. We live our love as best we can. We are one, working, eating, laughing, playing, singing, sharing, rejoicing, storytelling, getting to know each other, taking risks, opening up, questioning, seeking, searching, trying to understand, struggling, making our mistakes, paying attention, asking our questions, listening, living our answers, learning to love our neighbors, learning 
to love ourselves, apologizing with humility, forgiving with humility, being forgiven through grace, creating the beloved community. Together we are one. I invite you into a time of prayer and meditation. Spirit of life, creator, God, infinite all, we come to you in humble quietness, knowing that despite our desire to hold it all, we simply cannot. And so we come into this space with others, and although physically distant, we are together, breathing together in this time, focused in this shared moment. We breathe into the community that we know is here with us, around us, this community we share our lives with, this community that knows us, or we hope will know us, this community that supports in good times and bad, that holds us as we learn and grow and discover and affirm the richness of our covenant with one another. We breathe into this moment of our greatest joys and our worst fears, reminded that all things come and go, and that today's joys and today's sorrows will in time give way to those of tomorrow, and that those of us who have strength to share today ought do so while we can, and those who are in need allow ourselves to receive, for tomorrow those roles might well be reversed. Spirit of life, parent of us all, help us to remember those who are not with us today, those who need what we have found here, and those who have what we need. May we always be open to growth and change, to movement, to grace. And all the names of the holy, known and unknown, we say, blessed be, Ashe and Amen.
see skies of blue in clouds of white the bright blessed day in the dark sacred night and I think to myself Many of you grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood or showed it to your children as they were growing up. I was born at just the right time. I was four when it first appeared on our local PBS station, the perfect age for this unique show. And paired with Sesame Street, which came out at the same time, this little white girl from the northernmost of the Taconic Mountains in upstate New York was suddenly learning about towns and cities, counting and spelling in English and Spanish, learning what other people looked like, what it meant to use our imagination, and what it meant to be a neighbor. I was reminded of the powerful ministry of this gentle man from Pittsburgh, 
when I watched the documentary Won't You Be My Neighbor a couple of years ago. And it struck me how important it was to hear these messages at that time in the wake of the King assassination, in the midst of the Vietnam War, in the restlessness of the country, something I as a small child knew nothing about except things seemed wrong and the news was on all the time and some of my schoolmates' dads never came home. I don't think it's a mistake that this documentary and last year's film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, resonate so deeply. The lessons Mr. Rogers was teaching us and is still teaching us help ground us when we feel utterly ungrounded. They are there for the taking, these things that Unitarian minister Robert Fulgham also reminded us that we learned in kindergarten. How to be kind and how to share, how to forgive, and how to take care of ourselves and each other. And we need these reminders. Too often, I fear, we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle, and lately, the existential anxiety and very real sustained stress and trauma, that we forget to pay attention to others. We forget that while we are the lead characters in our own stories, we are but bit players and maybe just background extras in the stories of other people. So many times it seems other people try to upstage us with their ideas or opinions, or worse, we upstage them as if what we have to say is more important. It's no wonder Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood continues to be so important. The ministry of Reverend Fred Rogers focused on teaching children and us how to live out the assertion that we have inherent worth and dignity just by being human and how we are all worth care and consideration. And while I don't know this for a fact, Rogers' faithful Christianity leads me to suspect that the grounding for at least some of those lessons comes from a sometimes difficult but ultimately helpful text from the letter to the Ephesians. Now, I say difficult because the writer uses the metaphor of marriage to explain his point. And here's where that pesky, wives be subject to your husbands thing shows up. I know. But what the writer is really getting at here and states at the very beginning and at the end of this passage is simply this, be subject to one another. Now, for those not familiar with the biblical text, this epistle or letter to the church in Ephesus is one of many written in the name of Paul of Tarsus, carrying on his ministry, this man who planted these Jesus churches around the Mediterranean. Now, by this time, Paul has this collection of churches he's planted and now stewards, like a congregational consultant does. And, well, let's not kid ourselves. People 2,000 years ago were pretty much like people today. And any time you get a bunch of people collected in any kind of organization, well, eventually there will be unrest and misbehavior, especially when they're collected around a mission or a vision or a belief. 
what I realize is that these epistles aren't so much sacred text as swift kicks in the collective keisters. Because over and over again, Paul is telling them to remember what holds you together, to stop bending the stories of Jesus to make you look good. Stop being bad to one another. This one to the Ephesians is no different, and my hunch is that there were a lot of moments of conflict and infighting there. And so this letter is very much reminding everyone to just get along with one another. Especially since the figure they're centering their organization around, Jesus, is most assuredly not keen on treating people with disrespect. So in other words, this whole passage isn't so much about a particular belief or connection to a particular God, but it's about you and it's about me, and it means it's about us. What we're talking about is seeing one another as family, as the people we devote our last measure of devotion to. It's how we are seen and cared for and thought of. This is calling us back to our best selves. It's calling us to think about how we treat one another, the people we have known from weeks or months or years or decades, the people we work with side by side on committees and events and projects, the people we celebrate with and mourn with, the people who delight us and annoy us and whom we consider family, the people we see care for and think of, and hope are seen by, cared for by, and thought of by in equal measure. Now look, I know people don't always get along all the time. Of course we don't, especially when there are decades of history. I remember meeting some longtime members of a congregation I once served. In one afternoon, I was to meet Dorothy, who had been a member for oh, about 40 years. And then later with Caroline, who'd been a member for, yes, about 40 years. Both women had served as president on various committees, taught religious education. They'd done it all. In my conversation with Dorothy, I learned about the seven-year span that she and Caroline hadn't talked to one another because Caroline had done something terrible. But at some point, they forgot about it. And yeah, they still kind of argue a lot, but they talk. A few hours later, I learned from Caroline about how she and Dorothy hadn't talked for about seven years because Dorothy had done something terrible. But at some point, they forgot about it, and they still argue a lot, but they're mostly talking again. And mostly not talking trash about each other. My point, and I do have one, is that many of you have similar stories. We sometimes speak without thinking because these people know me and I can say anything around them and it doesn't matter. But it does. And the way we treat each other and speak to each other can cause long-held grudges and hard rifts. We assume there's a level of trust, forgetting that trust needs to be constantly built and tended. I wonder if Caroline and Dorothy could have avoided the seven-year silence if they'd thought about how they were seeing each other speaking to each other, and being subject to one another. Maybe they'd realize what had happened and make an effort to call one another back into covenant. I wonder what happens when we do.
this stuff matters. Because if we don't get it right in our own communities, we have no hope of getting it right in the world. Because being subject to one another is about family and friends and fellow members of your congregation. But yes, this is also about others outside our immediate scope. Right now, it's about the care we show others by staying home, protecting ourselves, and protecting others in order to stop the spread of this virus. This is about how we treat strangers. This is about how we treat one another with our policies and our laws. This is how we affirm and promote justice, equity, and compassion in all of our human relations. Now, let me be clear being subject to one another is not about being subservient, as some might want to interpret that Ephesians text. This isn't about an imbalance of power. It is about attention, simply being attentive to one another, supporting one another, being kind to one another. And kindness does make a difference. I'm not talking about being nice. I mean, nice is wishy-washy rolls over, doesn't want to offend, nice is complacent, nice doesn't make waves or make a stink, and lets people have their own version of the truth, nice doesn't want to bother anybody. Blah. A kindness. Now, kindness is strong and active. Kindness sees a need and offers to help. In this time of pandemic, kindness wears a mask and washes hands. Kindness speaks up and speaks out. Kindness makes sure everyone's taken care of and included and valued. Kindness is an act of justice, whether building ramps or protesting police brutality or changing classes policies or calling for land and water protection or any of the other things we do to affirm and promote all of us in this interdependent web as sacred and worthy. And kindness means sometimes shifting how we do things. It calls us to shed perfectionism, to welcome new ideas as a gift, not a challenge, to embrace complexity, to embrace discomfort on the way to something better, to take responsibility, to be thoughtful and caring in our words and actions, to take our time with what we say and do. We are called to be kind kindness is how we live into covenant with one another, how we act as Fred Rogers taught us to act, how the writer of Ephesians wants us to act. I mean, you see, there's a reason the writer of Ephesians uses marriage as a metaphor for his being subject to one another, because he's not just talking about affection for others, but about understanding that when all is said and done, we're all part of one family, of one body. How can we be unkind to one part of ourselves when it's so intrinsically a part of us? Gospel artist Hezekiah Walker sings, I need you, you need me, we're all a part of God's body. It is God's will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Imagine when we think of another person this way and show them that they matter. 
that we see them as individuals, that we listen to their stories and consider their needs. Imagine if we thought of ourselves this way and were kind to ourselves. Because when we start acting that way toward ourselves and then each other, we begin to see how we can be subject to one another, even if the other are people who agree, disagree with us at the top of our voices. We are subject to one another when we stop building walls and start building bridges. We are subject to one another when we work for equal rights and equal pay and safety and clean water and accessibility for everyone. We are subject to one another when we join our forces together, remembering Margaret Mead's words to never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world, because indeed it's the only thing that ever has. Be subject to one another, pleads the writer of Ephesians and Mr. Rogers, and every religious path worth its salt. And our commitment to covenant as, as Unitarian Universalists, which is a promise to be subject to one another, to be kind to one another, and to forgive one another. We know this stuff. We learned it as children. And it's what drew us to the life-saving message of Unitarian Universalism in the first place. We just need to remember to notice each other's needs and seize the moment to act to be willing to be uncomfortable in service to something greater than ourselves, to give of ourselves out of love and affection and compassion, to be truly kind, to answer the call of our principles and our morals and our ethic and our faith. Let us be subject to one another.
the words of Mr. Rogers, the only thing that really changes the world is when somebody gets the idea that love can abound and can be shared. So share love. Be subject to one another. May this be our covenant. Go in love. Go in joy. Go in peace.